take two. <laughs> Welcome into the bog casual podcast about, I don't know, spooky stuff, scary stuff. All things horror. And Gilderoy Lockhart. We'll touch on that later. This is my my co-host, my, my best friend, my heterosexual life partner. The one and only. The one and only. Jordan, I guess. We'll just go, yeah. with, uh, go with Jordan. Huh? Just Jordan, the Grandmaster J. The Pepper Jack. I'm your boy, Barry. Um, I'm not your boy, because we're only just meeting for the first time, most likely. But we'll work on it. We'll, we'll, we'll handle our relationship, and we'll see what happens. You know? Slow, yet firm. Yeah. So, this is Into the Bog. Hope we didn't go over that already. I don't think so. Hey, hey. Into the bog. Another little penis in there. So we just got back from a trip to Japan and wanted to do a podcast and thought, hey, what better place to start with some good old-fashioned Japanese horror? Yeah, we are fans of horror, but speaking for myself, I'm going to say I'm a casual horror fan. I'm definitely not as intense as some people are. I I like horror and I watch a lot of horror, but I'm not going to call myself an expert. No, we're experts by no means. We just like what we like. Uh, never never professionally reviewed anything, which is why I hesitate to call this a review podcast. Um, more of just a just a discussion. Ramblings of two madmen. Yeah. I have never, like I said, I've never professionally, I think I said it, God, I'm so disorganized. Uh, I've never professionally reviewed anything. I'm fairly sure that you haven't. I know you've, you've, had, you've worn a lot of hats, but I don't think. I'm wearing a hat right now. I, I know you are. Like I said, you wear a lot of hats, but I don't think Critic is one of them. No, not at all. To be honest, no one really cares what our opinion is. And being on the internet, it's going to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, speaking of the wrong opinion, you can tell us how wrong ours is at Into the Bog on Twitter. Uh, that's the only social media we have right now. And that was made about 15 minutes before recording on March 30th. 2020 slap in the middle a cut i hope it's the middle or or maybe toward the end of a uh i guess a pandemic right coronavirus yep crossed our fingers hoping towards the end yeah we're stuck in quarantine nothing better to do than yell at the air about horror movies i guess hockey isn't on so we can't do that we can't go camping because all the campgrounds are closed so here we are shouting from the rooftops if we're good at anything, it's shouting. Or having firm opinions on things that all in all don't really matter. If you got a firm opinion, let us know. Please. We'd love to hear it. You'll be the first on there. And if you're not first, you're last. Gandhi. That doesn't sound right. Yeah, firm opinion. I don't, I don't know if about Gandhi to dispute it. So, um, What are we talking about today? We are talking about Juwan, The Grudge, which turns out is the third installment in this a lot larger movie series than I thought. Yeah. I, I So growing up, I saw, I was like, I was 10 or 11 when The Grudge, the American, I guess, remake came out uh, in 2004, which would put you like around 15, something like that. Yeah, 14. Yeah. I, I was pretty it. young. Yeah, I did too at the time. I, re- I really enjoyed it. it was, it's one of the movies, I've mentioned this before outside of the podcast, um, but it's one of the movies that stuck with me the most as a, as a kid, even in, even into my late teenage years. Sometimes I'd get a weird prickly feeling on the back of my neck when I was taking a shower, you know, or just in a lo- alone in a room. This movie, and weirdly enough, 13 Ghosts, which hey, I haven't seen in a long time. It's a great movie. 
I, I, I don't, I'm just saying, I don't know if it holds up because, you know, you never know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's a future episode. Maybe a 13 ghost podcast coming at you. Yeah. But no, it was really our first real taste of Japanese horror in American cinema. It was, it was for me, certainly. Yeah. I didn't see it in theaters. Did you see it in theaters? Yeah, when it came? yeah. yeah I didn't. I saw it. We rented the tape. <laughs> uh, if anyone listening remembers what that's like, we we rented it, the tape and uh, I watched it with, with my mom and my dad and some of my cousins. Yeah, it scared the shit out of me pretty thoroughly, honestly. Yeah, yeah I remember it being terrifying. Yeah. So I, I never saw Juwan or any of the Japanese movies until I thought I had, but... I guess I was thinking of uh, of of the ring, the original Japanese ring, or, or something. Because watching it, it didn't. I mean, it, it, there were familiar story beats, obviously, because it was a it's a it, it was the original, you know, to the to the American 2004 film. So it was recognizable, but I didn't recognize it in the way that I thought it would. I thought that I'd seen this movie already in high school because I watched. You know, we both did watched a lot of horror in high school, but yeah, I guess I guess not. It was pretty new to me, as far as I could tell. Yeah, as far as rewatching the 2004 one, watching the original, I don't remember anything about it, apparently. Yeah, I, I remembered much less about even the 2004 movie than I thought I was going to, actually. I mean, and I know we're jaded old men now, but I remember it being scarier. Yeah, we'll get into that, definitely. Yeah. But spoiler alert, yeah, I definitely thought this movie was going to be a lot scarier going into it than it was. So let's jump into Juwan. Yeah, so Juon, The Grudge, is a 2002 Japanese horror film written and directed by, and I'm going to butcher this name and many names after this, Takashi Shimizu. Shimizu, I'm so sorry, Takashi. If you're listening to this, I know you are. You're a big fan. I'm so sorry. Uh, it's the third installment in the Juon series, the first film to be theatrically released, with the first two being direct-to-video productions. Uh, it stars Megumi Akina? Okina? not 100% sure. Masaki Aito, Takashi Matsuyama, and Yui Ichikawa. Now, that was just the first sentence on the Wikipedia page, clearly. Uh, but I think I think as far as I could tell, the, the directing was solid. The photography was solid. The the acting, it seemed good. It's hard for me to tell, really, when, a, when an actor in a language that I don't understand, and we, we don't, let's get that out of the way, we don't speak read or write any Japanese. I know we just said that we went to Japan a few weeks ago, but you know, we, we know very little, just enough to kind of get by, but it seemed like they did a good job to me. Yeah. And I try to give lower budget movies a pass when it comes to theatrics or storytelling or high budget actors or anything like that. But I see this was by Lionsgate films right now, which that's kind of a surprise to me. Yeah. It premiered at Screamfest film festival. So I actually thought the story in, in this was, was super solid. Like, uh, you know, as far as, as just the story goes, I bet the novel is really good. I don't know if it ever got, if it ever got released in English, it probably did because it was such a big deal, but I think the story is really good. You could tell it was, it was a low budget movie. Uh, we couldn't find the budget information. We looked and I couldn't find, neither could, neither could Jordan. We couldn't find the, uh, the budget, but it definitely seems small judging by the makeup and stuff like that. And the fact that, you know, most of the movie was just filmed in, in a house, which is nothing wrong with that. You're not going to knock it for that. I think it I think they did an admirable job with the, the budget. I'm presuming they had, which was probably much less than the 2004 movie. I would assume. So yeah. What, what are your thoughts? Like I said, I liked the movie. I, I thought, you know, what the main antagonist, if you will, Kaiko, I thought she was a great 
I don't like to use the term villain, but I thought she's a great character. I, I like the story. I didn't like the shirtless kids so much constantly. That's just me. Not scary. Just unnerving. Well, I don't even know if I would call it unnerving, aside from the fact that we don't interact with kids very much. Um, yeah, Kayako, has, has, Kayako is great. Like you said, great you know, antagonist or, or monster, villain, whatever. But yeah, I could do without Toshio, I guess. Yeah, I could do without shirtless meowing kid. I don't know if it was me or the fact we were drinking, but the story was a little bit hard to follow. And I, don't, I usually don't have a problem with non-linear storylines. Yeah, we're definitely ousting ourselves as complete idiots here. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, yeah, for whatever reason. It's just me, but, I mean, the story was good. You start out. We uh, forgot, what was the uh, the first arc? In the order it appeared on film or, yeah. or like, chronologically? Yeah, in the, in film. Um, I th- some all together. Oh, gosh, I'm not sure. We watched this. Last week, so I believe it was the welfare worker. Yeah, the social worker, Rika. Yeah, I think she was checking on the uh, the second couples. The, the mother, the grandmother. Not Well, there was no kids, grandkids, so I guess it wasn't a grandma. Sachi? Or Sachi? I, can't, I don't know her name exactly, but... Yeah, she got killed by Kayako. Plot. Yeah, I mean, so it's easier to talk about it chronologically, I think. So there was the first murder where... Takeo kills his wife, Kayako, because he presumes that she is uh, cheating on him after finding out she's in love with another man, right? Yeah. Then I think Kayako kills the kid, Toshio. In Juwan, right. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, You know, that creates the curse. Then uh, Kayako murders Takeo. A family moves in. A salaryman and his wife. And the salaryman's ill mother. That's what you... the plot point or the yeah that you were talking about the wife is taken by the curse then uh the salary man for whatever reason thinks that his wife oh he sees the kid he sees toshio and thinks that his wife was hiding another man's baby right wasn't that it ah uh, yeah that was it yeah and then i believe he murders his wife uh and then they like nobody hears from him for a while so the uh social like the welfare office sends riku rika riku rika i believe to look after the old lady and she gets there and she witnesses the old lady being killed by Kayako. And then she faints. I believe a cop finds her, right? Finds Rika passed out. They discover the bodies of the second family in the attic. Oh yeah. Cause they're all like propped up against the wall mm-hmm. in the attic. Yeah. And then the salary man's sister, Hitomi, I believe it was. She gets chased around like her her office by Kayako and yeah, she followed her, Kayako followed her to her work, right, and then to her apartment. And I believe she killed her in her apartment. Yeah. Then there's like a time skip. Rika moved on. She's at dinner with one of her friends, and then her friend mentions she's got like a kid in her class named Toshio who never showed up. I believe something like that. It's easy to pick up on where that was going. <laughs> There was also another plot with a group of schoolgirls that show up to the house, and one of them gets murdered. Yeah, that was a short and and mostly unrelated plot. It was it was tied to the main plot by the police officer, but I think that was my favorite plot. Yeah, it was short. It was sweet. It gave you everything you needed to know. There wasn't a whole lot to follow. I'm not the smartest man. <laughs> the three friends showing up uh, at the end and you know she she backs up into the i think it's a shrine yeah and then 
Kayako, you know, like pulls her into it. That was pretty cool. I thought that was, yeah. uh, that, was that was my favorite. Yeah, I, I would I would like to see and and I think the made for TV movies might have been anthology stories. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. I remember I feel like I remember mentioning that. I think the, at some point the first series or first made for TV one. It's it's got a brief shot I think of Kayako or the Grudge. I think it introduces everybody to it. I think that might have had something to do with that. Mm. We'll have sure. to just go watch it. Yeah, that's what obviously what we're gonna have to do, I guess. So that's I don't know if we pointed that out. We did we did a bit of a dry run before this and some things got lost when we started over, but we only watched Juan the Grudge, which was we, we found out the third film in the series, and then we watched the American remake. Uh and we watched those two in preparation for the newest movie. But what, what we didn't know at the time was that how many grudge movies there are. So there's like multiple 13. Yeah, there's multiple, like two movies before this one, and then this one got like one or two direct sequels, and then there's some more that have like really weird titles. There's one that's just like a bunch of fours. There's one called like Black Ghost and one called White Ghost, which I can only assume is a Pokemon thing. It's gotta be. It's gotta Ghost be. Back. The The American movie had two sequels, which I've never seen. I didn't even know they existed. Not to mention there's, I think, a whole span of other films where it's like Kayako versus The Girl from the Ring. Like Psycho or Psycho? Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like I remember we talked about that. Like I don't know, maybe a year ago, maybe before that. I want to watch it because to me, it sounds like it's got a good Freddy versus Jason vibe with a lot lower budget. Yeah, I can only assume it's going to be pretty, pretty bad, pretty bad, <laughs> yeah. but good. You know, not all great movies have to be good. Take that as you will. <laughs> I, I get what you mean. Uh, personally, <laughs> we've watched a lot of bad movies that we really yeah. like. Yeah, especially horror. I feel like campy B movie. You know, that that realm of is where horror really shines for me. If you think low budget movie, you think horror movies. I do. Yeah, personally, I don't. I don't know what. I mean, I guess like indie dramas that are all filmed in like a guy's dorm room or something like that are probably another facet of of low budget films, but. Something I've never really dove into. We're emotionally stunted, to be to be quite honest. So you know, like I said earlier, we're jaded old men when it comes to horror. I mean, desensitized, I guess. Yeah, is yeah. The word. We've we've seen a lot. It takes a lot to get me riled up. I'm usually like, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, well, normally I'm more negative on on a movie than you are as well. As long as you're, if any aspect of a movie entertains you, usually you're pretty positive on it. But yeah, we're really honey and vinegar when it comes to (laughs) everything. Yeah, opinions. I'll I'll give movies a pass, a shadow of a doubt. If I find one thing I like about it, I'm like, eh, not so bad. Yeah, usually more negative. But I mean, there's nothing to really hate with Juwan. I mean, it wasn't that scary. But makeup's not great. Effects aren't amazing, but it's pretty good. For a low budget 2002 movie, I can't really, I can't fault it for, for maybe two scenes with CGI, three, something like that. Not many, and mostly just hair. But my, my favorite part of Juon was probably when, um, yeah, Rika, when uh, Kaiko finally kills Rika, and the last shot you get of her is, I think she's like wrapped up in the attic, and her hair's a lot longer, and she's starting to look a lot. Like Kaiko, so it's kind of showing that the curse is going on that she's just transforming into Kaiko. I don't know if that means there's two Kaikos, or I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if that was honestly. I have such a hard time. I'm I am just an idiot. Clearly, I I, I had a hard time following it. I, I know the shot you're talking about. 
I didn't even know that was Rika. I didn't. I, I didn't remember clearly which character that was. Although I think you probably have to be right. I think it would have to be Rika because I remember there's a, there's another scene with the family separately in the attic. Yeah, that that was the one at the beginning. This is Rika alone. I usually, I, I, like I, like I was saying, I usually don't have a problem with with even with nonlinear plots. I can't. I honestly can't think of a movie off the top of my head that has a nonlinear plot. But fuck, I know I've seen them. I don't yeah. know. I, I know I've seen movies like this and not had as much an issue following it and i don't know maybe it's because we were drinking maybe it's because i'm a big dumb gaijin and the intricacies of japanese storytelling are lost on me speaking of japanese storytelling let's segue to uh segue to the grudge ah the grudge 2004 american remake of juan now i knew it was a remake Mm -hmm. but i'll be damned that was it was definitely a remake like I won't say shot for shot, but they kept it spot on. Story beats were, were pretty much the same, yeah. And it was directed by the same guy. Also, same actors for uh, Kaiko and Shirtless Meowing Boy. T- Toshio. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought that was really cool. Like I, th- I thought, yeah, it's a nice touch. Nice homage to the original actors. Way to pay respect. Yeah, I agree. Also being directed by the same guy, Takashi Shimizu. Or Shimizu, I know I'm messing up that name. It's really going to make Takashi upset. He'll probably text me about it later. But directed by, I'm just going to call him Takashi, but written by a guy, uh, Steven Susco. I'm not familiar with him, but I'm assuming it was his job to make the story, <laughs> as much as I hate saying it, uh, more palatable, I-, I guess, for a Western audience, which I don't feel was necessary. No, not necessary at all. No, and... uh yeah, I think the story translates fairly well. Yeah, but produced by Sam Raimi and Rod, Rob Tappert. Hey, and we're big Sam Raimi fans here. We are. Yeah, and Rob Tappert, both big fans of the Evil Dead franchise. I think we both enjoyed Drag Me to Hell, too. Oh, yeah, Drag Me to Hell is great. Yeah, they've done other things together, you know. Uh, Sam Raimi, he did. He what? Produced, directed every, all of um, Drag Me to Hell. Yeah, yeah that was, I'm pretty sure that was his movie. Fairly sure Rob Tappert produced that movie as well uh they've worked on other stuff together and separately they also i believe they worked with the director of the evil dead remake as well i'm not really sure either way this isn't we'll get into that i'm sure some other time but yeah grudge 2004 remake they tried to make it more westernized which they just take buffy the vampire slayer throw her in japan and she you know gets haunted by kaiko she does Funnily yeah. enough, who would have expected? Didn't see it coming. Boom, she got it. Yeah, yeah. Sarah Michelle Geller, uh, and then a, a bunch of people I didn't know. <laughs> Clee Duval, Clea Duval. I think it's Clee Duval. I really don't know. Um, this is what happens when amateurs <laughs> just decide to record a podcast off the cuff. But I, I recognize her, but but could never place a single thing that she was in. Uh, Bill Pullman is in it. Great actor. I I liked it. I. I mean, of course, this is to be expected, but not nearly as scary as I remembered it. But, you know, I thought it was a solid movie. It didn't need westernized so much. It would have been fun. But I liked uh, the plots, you know, were technically the same. Yeah, the only, the major difference that I remember, I mean, the major difference, there were small differences, but the major one was cutting the, uh, the Yeah, they cut that on. whole thing out. And I know we just said we liked that in the first one. Yeah, but... I mean, like we were saying, it didn't really have a huge bearing on the plot anyway. So the the plot isn't affected so much. The by movie not didn't suffer. It here. Yeah, and I think that they cut 
that and put it in the second grudge be a second american grudge movie which we again haven't seen but i think i read uh on on a wikipedia page earlier that, that they put it in that movie yeah definitely not as scary as i remember uh i now remember this movie being pretty scary it stuck with me pretty, pretty I, I thought the um the effects were better the makeup was better yeah i imagine the budget was a lot higher it had a 10 million usd budget. i don't expect you on having a 10 million dollar budget maybe ten thousand. <laughs> yeah it definitely it definitely felt uh it felt a lot lower budget i, I thought it's, i think it's a fine movie i don't i'm not gonna put it up there with you know being one of my favorite horror movies no and, and this these movies get a lot of praise especially mainstream horror fans uh which there's nothing wrong with i don't want to sound like an elitist here i've got nothing against you know if you're if, if the only horror movie you go and see is like the yearly conjuring sequel by all means that's great i'm just i'm glad you enjoy what you enjoy but with that crowd with like the uh the blockbuster horror crowd the grudge is definitely like a it's a popular one it's a big one you know a lot of people i think it's nostalgia it. yeah it's, it was it's definitely partly nostalgia and and it's not a it's not a bad movie it's just not i don't know there's been so much good horror come out in the past few years and i mean since 2004 and before i mean there's just so much to to dig through and and the grudge like if i watched it now i don't think it would leave nearly as much of an impression on me as it did it didn't which yeah i was much more impressionable i think i was 11 10 or 11 when this movie came out um i was much more impressionable then than i am now to be fair but oh yeah i mean when this movie came out you couldn't go to school without every person doing that sound effect the death rattle yeah, that was that was definitely a big thing. I remember girls doing time. that. Put their hand in front of their face. Death rattle. But yeah, good movie. Effects were pretty good. Eh, I don't think I'd watch it again if I unless you know it came on TV and I needed some background noise. Yeah, that's it's definitely that kind of movie. It's the kind of movie you put on when you're just browsing Reddit on your phone or something, right? I'd watch it like if a friend came over and they never saw it yeah. before. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure I have this uh, DVD. We watched it digitally, but I think I think I have the DVD somewhere on my shelf. And if someone picked it up, I was like, oh, I've never seen this. Oh, yeah, I guess throw it on, but I'd probably tap out halfway through, honestly, and start using my phone. Uh, you know, which sucks. I don't, I don't normally do that with horror movies. Normally, I'm pretty, pretty fixated. But I mean, half, I don't know. I hate, I hate being so negative about it, honestly, because I know a lot of people really like this movie. But halfway through, I was just, I was kind of over it. Yeah, same. Maybe not halfway. Maybe a little more than. Halfway. I mean, I was, I felt like I got everything I could get out of it. The scares were easy to see coming. My favorite part, honestly, were, were the establishing shots and stuff around Tokyo. We obviously are we're huge weebs, <laughs> to be to be quite honest, and a uh, big fan of, of the city in general. And that was pretty cool. But, you know, there are better ways for me to see establishing shots of Tokyo. Than watching The Grudge. To. Yeah, I mean, I liked any scene with Kaiko in it. That's why I watched these movies. And I didn't feel like I got enough, which I know you don't do that with horror movies. You don't show the monster takes away the the power of the scare but mm-hmm. well, see i felt the opposite i felt like there's so much that that it kind of loses that was my problem with toshio in 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 juon really was that there's so many scenes with toshio that it just kind of loses flavor it was hard for me to even put together that toshio is scary or he should be scary i just never got that out of it cut him out of the movie and i would be happier <laughs> That is, that's certainly an opinion. <laughs> it, yeah, it probably is, but he's not scary. He doesn't add anything to the movie. Back, put two cats in there. Take the kid out, <laughs> put two cats. I, I remember being like genuinely unnerved by uh, 
Batoshio in in the 2004 movie as a kid as well. And you know, again, in the 2004 movie, he wasn't he just wasn't that scary. Um, the, I mean, the idea of it is is obviously scary if you think about it, but on film, you no, know, kids are creepy. Yeah. In a lot of movies, kids can be scary, but this kid looked like you know just normal kid, not not terrifying, nothing to write home about. Like someone spilled a bag of flour on a kid. So it's April 2nd, right? I just finished editing the podcast yesterday, and I realized listening to it that we just shit all over Toshio. I, you know, <laughs> probably fairly, but I do. I want to. I want to say it. I want to have it out there on record that I understand. We both understand the the emotional weight that a dead child brings to the plot of the movie both times. Um, well, three, I guess, actually, because Melinda in the third one. But we still don't think the character is scary, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know we get it. We like you don't have to tweet us at Into the Bug uh, and tell us that there was an emotional reason to have the kid and and the reason his scenes were so impactful and everything. We understand. We're not that heartless. I mean, I feel bad for Kaiko, and yeah, she lost her child, but hey, at least they're together in the afterlife. I mean, if a house on a Tokyo side street counts as an afterlife, it would to me. All right, man. Well. You know, half glass full. Wait. Glass half full. Yeah. But, you know, teach the room. I'm not here to just shit on movies, but... That's what I'm saying. It's kind of a bummer that the first episode has to be so negative. I really hope, you know, the next time we sit down to record one of these, it's a little more positive. I'm sure it will be. I mean, I thought, if anything, I thought this movie would get more praise from me. I did, too. I really expected to... I expected to like the Japanese one. I expected to like Juwan a lot. Yeah, I expected to come out being more of an elitist. Going, oh, well, if you haven't seen Juwan, you're not a grudge fan. Yeah, I'm, normally I am. I am kind of that guy, right? Normally that's, I'm the guy. That's who, your mo. Yeah, I normally prefer the original. I mean, there are certain cases where I definitely, you know, like the Fly. I think I think that the remake of the Fly was better than than the original, as much as I'm a fan of Vincent Price. But that's usually that's that doesn't normally happen. Normally, I'm definitely the guy that. That would be praising this movie to all of my friends, and then Jordan would watch it and be like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Yeah, that sounds about right. But yeah, I mean, these movies, same plot, Juwan, 2004 The Grudge, I like them good. So, moving on to the 2020 Yeah. This grudge. was the main event, wasn't it, really? The other two <laughs> movies were kind of freebies. I, I wanted to go back and see them, but I was mostly preparing for this movie. Yeah, like this one just came out. We thought it'd be a great entryway for the podcast and uh, i was let down <laughs> i was too <laughs> yeah so this is a you know 2020 a side cool i believe they're calling it they've they've since mm-hmm. suffixed it for for the home release as the grudge untold chapter but the theatrical run was just the grudge this one takes place during the same time as the 2004 grudge yeah yeah um written and directed by I hope I get this right. I think it's Nicholas Pesci um, produced again by Sam Raimi and Rob Tappert uh, and Taka Ichise. Ich- I can't, you know, I'm not good with these Japanese names. It was, you know, a, you tried. yeah, I tried. It was announced as a reboot of the American series, but it ended up somehow along development being this quote unquote sidequel to the events of the first movie, the first American movie. It's the fourth installment in the, the American film series. Starring Andrea Rasborough, uh, Damien, 
Damien, <laughs> uh, John Cho, which I'm a big fan of, actually. Uh, Betty Gilpin and Lynn Shay, which I also like. Love Lynn Shay. Great actress. Yeah, she did really great in Insidious. Yeah, she was great in this, too, honestly. I think her character was my favorite, her storyline. Well, she she's probably the best actress, actor in this movie. I'm not, I'm not going to sell the other actors short on their performances. I'm just character-wise. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with she you. She did really good. She stood out to me the most. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, of course, John Cho is great. I, I'm a fan, yeah. But his character couldn't really fletch out. That's true. Uh, I, I did like that story. I, you know, I like the plot of this movie. Again, I've, I I know a lot of people are kind of iffy on it on it being set in America because you know the Grudge is historically like you know, this Japanese series. Even the, the American remake, at least the first one, took place in Japan. I think the other ones might have moved away from Japan, but I, I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Like I said, I haven't seen it. Them, I haven't seen either of them. But some people, there were rumblings of 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 uh, some people being annoyed that this was definitely the more american americanized uh a film in the series and that, absolutely that's, yeah it's easy to see obviously there was uh what one scene basically with kayako in it one brief scene and if me that's what i was tuning in for yeah so, that's what i wanted to see that's that's what brought me in but starts off takes place in japan which i was excited for i did no research on this movie before i didn't watch a trailer i didn't know what was going on so yeah, starts off in Japan, and boom, you get a brief glimpse of Kayako, and you're like, all right, but you find out that character's going back to Pennsylvania, lo and behold, rest of the movie takes place in Pennsylvania, with no Kayako. Uh, one of my favorite parts of this movie was the establishing shots. Me, I was watching it with Kim, and uh, we actually saw a shot, Yeah, I, I believe it was Akihabara, Akihabara, I still don't, we stayed in that neighborhood for nine days and I still don't really know how it's pronounced, but we saw an establishing shot and like she pulled the picture up on her phone and compared it and it was like the exact alley, you know, uh, or not alley, but street. And, you know, it's a big one. It, there's a lot of signs and stuff on that street. So it's really nice for, you know, B-roll, but I thought that was pretty neat. I mean, that it got me excited immediately. And then, yeah, <laughs> the movie immediately left Tokyo. That was a bit of a and boom, Pennsylvania. Yeah. This movie was a lot different than the other two we watched, though, for me. Now, yeah, same premise. Vengeful, Juwan, Ghost. Mm-hmm. And it's centered more around a widowed police officer. And I'm trying to think of the, uh, the timeline here. Um, the, the, the brief, I think the brief timeline was like um, the character... caretaker goes to Pennsylvania. Right. She comes home staying in this house in Pennsylvania with her husband and her daughter, Melinda. Then John Cho's character. Wait, oh gosh, is that right? I think John Cho's character uh, is a real estate, has a real estate firm with his wife and they're like selling right. the house to the, that couple. And mm-hmm. then they, so the couple, I think the mother kills the husband and, and drowns her daughter. I remember that. And then John Cho like steps into the house and, and there's all those, those things with the kid, Melinda. Which were genuinely pretty creepy. The kid, you know, the nosebleed, and that's pretty unnerving. Then he goes home and kills his wife, his pregnant wife, in fact. Which, yeah, with the pair of scissors. Which I don't think they went into it. Would that mean that his? Would that mean that his his house is now also part of the curse? It would, right? Because if some, if you yeah. die, it's gotta be it, that'd be a Jew on house. Yeah, unless he died. And then went to his house. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly how that works. But anyway, that happens. And then the police start looking into 
the mur- the caretaker, that murder, and he starts being haunted by I'm not sure if he's being haunted by Kayako or if he's being haunted by the the caretaker that returned from Tokyo. Oh, it's the um the caretaker from Tokyo. So he's being haunted by her, and then he ends up in a mental hospital. Uh, the older couple move in, Lin Shay and her husband, whose name that escapes me because I'm terrible with character names. And they they did a great performance. They did. My favorite storyline. I I, I I agree. Lin Shay was probably the best actress actor in this movie. That storyline particularly was my favorite, and it had the most brutal, depressing end to to any storyline we saw in in the series so far. So there's that storyline, and then Detective Muldoon, I believe, was her name, right? The widow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The widowed police officer. Yeah. Then her storyline plays out. So that's. Uh, sp- by the way, spoilers for the new Grudge movie if you haven't seen it. Uh, a bit late. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, Lynn Shay. The uh, the scene where where she the police officer goes into the house and 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 Lynn Shay's character is like chewing on her hand and, and her fingers are gone. And then you know there's the the cut where it shows us that she like sliced her fingers off with a knife. That was brutal, oh, yeah. man. That was super. And I didn't expect that from a grudge movie either because the first two that we watched were definitely not. They weren't gory they, by any means. Yeah, they don't go into gore. So. That was pretty shocking. And then the climax of that storyline with the old woman being thrown down the stairwell, like she hits her head on the way. That was brutal. That was genuinely a brutal kill. She hobbles her way up the staircase and then plummets down. I think she's pushed by Melinda, the ghost of Melinda, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, that was that was that was pretty nuts. Honestly, I liked it. Very depressing, very bleak. So does that make the hospital a Juwan hospital now? Yeah, again, I don't know. And then the main end scene as well, Detective Muldoon seemingly being dragged to her death by, uh, I guess, Fiona was her name, and Melinda. Um, I'm assuming that house. Did you know that was not in the international cut of the movie? The end scene? Yeah. In the uh, international, and I, I just found this out recently, in the international cut, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong here, if I've got false information, I'd hate to do that. But the international ending, it's just her and her son getting in a car, driving away, and they like pull into like the driveway of, I think, their new house. Might be their old house, but they just pull in the driveway, movie cuts off. Very anticlimactic. I actually liked the ending in this one. And I like it's. It's a run-of-the-mill ending. It's been in a hundred different horror movies, but I like it every time. I, I, I I'm ambivalent to the ending. I guess I, I see why. You know what? I miss. And uh, honestly, I mean, I don't know why I'm saying I miss it because I've never experienced a time period where this is the case. But nobody makes a standalone horror movie anymore. Everything is. I mean, this is already part of a franchise. But I feel like it could have been a contained, like side story. I don't feel like it needed a sequel, but. I don't know if it's if it's gonna get one because the box office wasn't insanely good for it or anything. It definitely made its budget back. Yeah, they profited fifty million. They're definitely trying to go for a sequel. Well, they didn't profit fifty million. It it just they profit like thirty five. But by Hollywood standards, you never know what they're gonna do because even movies that make huge huge returns, they say they they somehow have this weird Hollywood accounting method where the movies lost money somehow, even though it had a ten million budget and made two hundred million. You know, but. I, I don't feel like the movie needed a uh, needed a sequel. I'm t- I mean, I'll no. watch it if they make one. I'm sure, if, if not, just so we can talk about it. But that, yeah, that ending is it, is super. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm I guess played out 
it is played out, but like I said, I enjoy them. The seemingly happy ending, one last jump scare to take the movie home. Yeah. It's also the other thing this movie did, but unfortunately it's the only scene in the entire movie with Kaiko is new, new horror movies also do this. They do like an opening scare. They do like an opening like bit to really grab the, uh, the viewer's attention. It's a common thing with newer horror movies. And yeah, I'm not going to say it bothers me, but it's definitely a trope at this point. You expect it. Yeah. And what you know, Maybe people that went to the theaters and don't watch a lot of horror movies, they got a big kick out of it. I'm sure they did. So, I'm sure this know. was... Well, I don't know. I currently, upon last checking, I think yesterday, the movie had a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I'm going to say it, that's too low. I've seen 20% on Rotten Tomatoes movies, and they're worse than this. I've watched Ator the Fighting Eagle. I've watched MILFs vs. Zombies and Troll 2. I mean, 20%, that's that's... 10% away from being unwatchable. This is not a 10% away from being unwatchable movie. It wasn't a great movie or anything. Like it's not, you know, it's not going to be regarded as a classic 20 years from now or anything like that, but it's definitely not a 20% movie, right? Yeah. I don't like ratings. I don't like rotten tomatoes. I don't, I, I take all that with a grain of salt. But yeah, I would not. And I, you know, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. I wouldn't say this is a 20%. I'd put it at a 40, 50%. Oh yeah. I would, I'd say 50% easy. I mean, if it was I, entertaining. Yeah. I, I would not. In the same case with the other ones. I'm, I'm not going to sit down and watch them and be like, oh my God, this movie. But I've seen worse movies. Yeah. yeah, I have too. That's a lot worse. If you're you're a grudge fan, watch it. If you're not, yeah, you can give it a pass. Yeah. So there, there are two camps um, of grudge fans that I think are going to see this movie. The one fan is probably going to be either mildly entertained to moderately pleased with the movie. And then the other kind of grudge fan is going to be insanely upset because I will say the, what are they called? Are they called on Rio? I guess they call them Juon in this movie. The, yeah. the, the rage ghosts, the angry spirits. Yeah. Uh, they definitely didn't behave in this movie the way that I would expect them to. The, the it was they, not a Japanese horror esque movie. No, it wasn't. It, they felt it felt very Western, like a very Western type of, of monster, almost like a zombie or something like that. It was, yeah, it was just a vengeful ghost, which I guess is what a Juon is, but it didn't feel like the Japanese version. Though. I think they were just trying to cash in. I think so too. Yeah, and and <laughs> I guess they did fifty million. I mean, we'll see who gets paid how much, but wouldn't watch it again. Nope. Not terribly upset that I watched it the first time. I've seen worse movies, like I said. Yeah, it's nothing else. Yeah, I'm not going to recommend it, and I'm not going to tell you to stay away from it. It's fun. It is what it is. Fun fact about uh, Kayako, though, I found out recently. The um, designer got her Id- got their idea from a dance group. That's neat. Yeah, for Juwon. That's a fun fact. You're right. Yeah. What is the, uh, <laughs> the, the newest Killer Instinct game that came out? We're big fighting game fans. I think it's just Killer Instinct. Yeah, um, there was a there was a, a very Japanese inspired ghost. I can't remember the name. I haven't played the game, but I almost did. I almost picked the game up specifically for that character. I remember us talking about. Oh yeah, about the statue of it, just because I really <laughs> yeah, like it. It's a really cool design. Looks great. Um, a big fan of of that about that character design. I feel like there's. I feel like they could do a lot with it. I I, I read somewhere that if the director does a sequel, he wants to do a period piece. And uh, I think people are assuming he means feudal Japan. Oh, which, that'd be great. Be cool. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be down for that. I'd watch it. You don't get a lot of period horror in general, really. No, 
yeah, I'd definitely be down for that. I like that kind of spirit ghost. It's it's very different to a western a western ghost. Well, you know, I mean, mainly because for the longest time, ghosts were very like Victorian, pompous, turning of the screw kind of stuff, right? And then, <laughs> yeah. So I guess it makes. You're sense. gonna play the organ when you're not in the room. <laughs> I guess it makes sense that uh, God, organs are scary. To be fair, I'm terrified of anything they yeah. have in churches. I would just be thrilled to have. Oh, look at that knowledgeable ghost that knows how to play the organ. Do you think you at least he gets think, to play it? Do you think it. you get the ability to play the organ when you die, or do you think that it has to be the ghost of an organ player? It has to be the ghost of an organ player. So. I don't think you get that. Or maybe you get one ghostly power after you die, and someone would just squander it on organ playing. Someone's like, "All right, you can play the organ. You can look through eye holes on paintings." And you can flip light switches. And the organ player's like, hell yeah. <laughs> the other guys are like, fuck, I'm a Scooby-Doo villain. <laughs> exactly. In my mind, all goes to Scooby-Doo villains. They're all just old man Jenkins. So. With a projector. Yeah, it's all the ghost and Mr. Chicken. Another fun fact I found while researching. Apparently Sarah Michelle Gellar was allergic to Japanese water and got a horrible skin rash during filming of the 2004 movie. What is in Japanese water? I... I don't know. I mean, we we did if, fine. If there's something you can be allergic to, I feel like I need to know what's in it. I drink a little bit of Japanese water. We, we showered in it. I mean, I assume, I assume you did. We were there nine days. I, I know you'd be a cleanly man, so... Yeah, sprayed in your butt. <laughs> yeah, right in my butt hole. So... Bidets. Alright, that's it. This podcast, we're no longer doing horror. We're doing bidet reviews. And everyone checks out. <laughs> you want to have a good time, buy a bidet. Promise. You won't be upset. It'll change your life. So yeah, I mean, not much, not much else to talk about. I don't. I mean, we we, the kid who played Toshio in the original two movies we watched uh, is afraid of cats. I didn't know that. So that's probably really unfortunate for him. Yeah. <sighs> that's yeah, that's unfortunate. It's like, it's like those actors that get placed to uh, be like car drivers in movies, and they've never driven a car. They don't have their license. Man, you remember in 90s sitcoms when there would be like a scene of someone driving? I remember, it, I feel like I remember it specifically in uh, that 70s show, but it would just be someone like jauntily turning the wheel like crazy. And there's like the green screen stuff whizzing past the windows, you oh, know, yeah. like you need to get your wheels aligned if you've got to move your, your steering wheel that much while you drive, man. That's insane. Well, the, um, the girl in one of the Fast and Furious movies, like three or four, maybe four or five, Suki. She didn't have a license, and she got that role for that movie. I'm like, how do you do that? I don't know how to drive, but I need you all to teach me. I, I assume most of the driving work was done by a stunt driver. But no, she did it. Still, I mean. She drove it. She she did she, the, did she not do any complicated stunts? Yeah, she actually, like, drifted. And she didn't have a stunt driver. Nope. We, well, I don't know. I could be wrong. But she, I, yeah, I'm going I'm to assume she probably had a stunt In the behind the scenes I was watching, she was driving. And did a really good job of making it look like she knew a lot of what she was doing. So I'm just saying, you to get a role, you don't have to actually, you know, be able to do what your character does. I'll teach you. And if you take away anything from this podcast, I think that's what you should take away. Go for your dreams. Yeah. Just because you can't drive doesn't mean that you can't drift around corners on a Japanese mountain road. Fact, just, I don't know if that just go ahead, get in a car, take one down a Japanese mountain road, become a Jew. Yeah. Ask your mom if you can just borrow a car. It's probably not manual, but you can try and drift in it. It's probably not rear-wheel drive either, but 
you know, give it hell. See what you happens. You could be the Juan of the Akiba Mountain Pass. <laughs> the ghost of Mount Akina. I told you we were weaves. Yeah. So if you got any horror questions or weave questions, no, and uh, we'll fill you in because we don't have anything better to do. You're right. You're right. We don't. So that's what was our Twitter handle into the uh, into the bog pod at into the bog pod. I believe we're old men. Yeah, we you know you know how to tweet. Twat. Just you know, figure it out. We'll probably have it linked somewhere or something, or just go outside, scream it into the trees, and you know, eventually the squirrels will carry your message to us. Yeah. If you just shout into a bucket of blood, we'll get it via email. Yeah. Or you can rip some moss off of an old tree trunk, dry it out, burn it, inhale the smoke, hold it in your lungs, and think desperately the thought you want us to hear, and release it into the ether. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hear it. We'll, we'll know. Yeah, it'll show up on one of our taco wraps. Our fortune cookie. <laughs> It's like like we're just sitting around eating fortune cookies or eating their fortunes. <laughs> oh, there's uh, one from Jeff in Connecticut. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> well, thank you for tuning in to that terrible grudge breakdown that we provided. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. Maybe next time we only do one movie <laughs> instead of three. Maybe we bit off more than we can chew. I, I say we do four or five. Up the ante. Yeah. All right. Next time we're gonna do the entire Nightmare on Elm Street in 30 minutes. Um, so tune in. How many? How many of those movies are there, including uh, including the remake? There's like 47, 48 movies, I think. Well, we better start now so we can uh, finish it up by next week. Well, tune in next time. Stay spooky. <laughs>